Now, I want to talk today, uh, going to sort of springboard. It's an unusual thing for me to take a text and launch out of it rather than to dive into it. But I'm going to do that today in a sort of a topical message. We're in between our series, and our series typically are book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. But I'm going to speak to you a little bit about why Dwight Baptist Church matters to Meadowbrook. Why the big deal about Dwight? And I think as we dive into that question and the answer to that biblically, I think we'll see a broader understanding of what the church of Jesus Christ is meant to be and how you and I are to engage more fully in that truth. So let's start off in Revelation. I'll come to this in a minute. Revelation chapter 7. Take your Bible and just open there. And yes, it's going to be for you on the screen, but there's nothing like you holding your scripture and looking to it and trusting that God is going to speak to you by the Holy Spirit from it. And I'll encourage you as well, take out your handout uh, because some of the things that I'm going to share with you today are verbatim from the handout, particularly the first couple of, of paragraphs that I've written here that I want us to come back to maybe even after the service today. Just go back and take a look at that. That first paragraph in your handout reads like this. By his spirit, Jesus Christ established his universal church, linking all believers worldwide together with a common identity and purpose. Each faithful local congregation is the visible gathering of the people of God and the embodiment of Christ expressing his truth and compassion to local communities and beyond. Uh, if you were going to try to write a definition of the church, that probably is a good one. You, you probably could enrich it some. But I worked on that a little bit this week, just trying to figure out exactly what I was going to try to communicate to you in a biblical fashion about what the church is meant to be. The church is this universal, invisible, I'll, I'll use a technical term, Catholic called people. Catholic means the universal, not necessarily the Catholic church. It's a small C, not necessarily a large C. This universal church of God of all the saints of all time that he's gathering that one day will be visible as they are there with him in heaven. What a church that is. You and I can't really see that. I, I go to it and I experience it around the world at various times and you do as well. And when you're there, you know, you know you're there. You're in the presence of the church of Jesus Christ. The visible notion of that is right here. We see the visible local church in its context of community in a very, very graphic way we see the body of Christ right here you are the hands the eyes the feet the ears the mouth the movement the mission the ministry of Jesus Christ and you are the visible nature of that so it's important for us to remember that the universal church and the local church are not mutually exclusive from one another you ought not think of them as being separate but we ought to think of them being important and complementing each other together so the local church is where the universal church lives in the local context and community this is what the church is it's a whole bunch of us uh, that will one day be gathered before Jesus Christ himself and 
live that way for all eternity. So this morning, I want us to consider a view of Christ's church that is wide and expansive, one that sees the massive gathering and the building up of Christ's kingdom from people of various nations and tribes and languages. We get a glimpse of this, the enormity of this gathering in Revelation chapter 7. Now, if you remember, Revelation is that vision that John has been given. He has been taken into the future where heaven is expressing this grand, visible gathering of saints, the church of Jesus Christ. And in this moment, John is able to see the saints of God gathered throughout all time, the church collective before the throne of God. What an imagination it must be that you and I could visualize that with the words that the Spirit of God has inspired John to write for us. So let's read that and we'll see what John was saying. He says, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number. You get in the vastness of that? You, you hear those descriptions like this is a great magnitude and if you tried to number it, you couldn't number it. Nobody could number this. It's so huge, so vast from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Now the reason why that passage is important for us to start off with is because I want you to see the church is huge. It is vast. It is way bigger than 2525 Rainbow Drive, Gadsden, Alabama. Way bigger. That's, that's important for me to say to you. It's important for me to hear that. It's, it's echoing in this room because I think too narrowly often about the church being you. You are the church, but it is way bigger than us. Way bigger than just our moment in time. Way bigger than 2023. The church is vast and it is huge. And John, by the movement of the Holy Spirit, was able to see just how big it is. So big that it cannot be numbered. So we would do well to admit that our view is often too narrow and our concentration a little bit too specific, thinking that church, the church called Meadowbrook, is what the church is. It is, but it is far, far larger than that. Instead, we should concentrate on Meadowbrook very purposefully, very specifically, and at the same time, ask God to open our eyes, to open our mind, and even our imagination to just how big his church around the world is. Focus here and have a greater focus as well on this invisible church of Jesus Christ. I love this building. I love the, the campus of Meadowbrook, and we have visions far beyond just the buildings that are here, don't we? We have more inclined that we want to participate in. The buildings are incredible, and buildings are helpful to congregations, but they hinder Christians from focusing beyond the walls, causing them to too narrowly, to their detriment, focus on just themselves. And this is the kind of message that helps us to go beyond the walls of the church and say, Lord, give me a vision outside of this place. Outside of these walls, beyond to other places, to other communities, to other states, to other countries, to other peoples. 
Help me to see beyond this local church that I love so deeply and my life is given to. Help me to see this church and beyond. So like every other congregation, we are vulnerable to focus inwardly. However, Meadowbrook, your interest and your support for Dwight Baptist Church is really lifting me up. It is really encouraging to me. The fact that you engage in churches in South Sudan and Uganda and United Arab Emirates and the Dominican Republic and Costa Rica and uh, so many other places like Argentina. The fact that you have a hand in supporting those churches encourages me. It tells me that you have allowed the Spirit of God to move your eyes beyond just this congregation to other congregations, to other peoples, to other countries, and yes, even other tribes. The Apostle Paul, like others, like Barnabas and Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila and Peter and Silas and John Mark and Timothy, they had an uncanny ability to focus on one specific church and at the same time envision an ever-expanding kingdom of God and the marching forward of the church of Jesus Christ. Such focus allowed them to invest heavily in individual churches while seeking the Spirit and enabling them to have a greater desire to see God's kingdom expand and multiply and churches be strengthened and encouraged and grow and planted. So by doing so, these men and women have ministered well, envisioning the vast multitudes that will one day stand before Jesus Christ as he sits on his throne. So narrowing our view and concentrating only on one gathering like Meadowbrook impedes us from joining the greater work of the Holy Spirit to build and expand the Lord's kingdom and his church. It's the whole focus of this message. Let's be very intentional about Meadowbrook, but at the same time be very intentional and ask God to give us a broader vision, a broader desire, an expanding desire constantly. That's why I'm so encouraged that Meadowbrook is willing to expand beyond the zip code 35901 and go into the zip code 35904 to a church that's 125 years old and say, how can we help you? How can we serve you? How can we build you up? How can we provide for you? Now, let me dial into a passage that you're probably familiar with. If you study church life, ecclesiology, you'll, you'll know this passage well. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Now again, it's easy for us to read this passage and others like it with a very narrow context. As if Paul is asking us to look around and consider the members in this room, knowing that the members of this room are forming one body of Christ, each of us having a different function in that formation of the body of Christ. And we are forming one body of Christ by the Spirit so that we might build up the body of Christ here, that we might minister to one another with the gifts that God has given us, the talents, abilities, the interests, yes, but the spiritual gifts, the way God himself manifests himself to us by one another. 
That's a, that's a focus and it's a right focus for that passage. We ought to be encouraged by that. God's spirit is moving very specifically in this congregation. But widen that out some in the context of the universal church and you'll see that there are many local congregations with many functions for the body of Christ for which they all make up and being in, interdependent on one another. And that's the view that I want us to have today. Look around at this congregation and say, God, you have done a great work by your spirit to bring the members together to form the body of Christ here locally. And then look broadly and say, oh, Lord, I see your congregations all over the world among peoples and nations and tongues. And I see that you have gifted them in many ways to serve in your kingdom in vast ways. And together they make up the body of Christ and wow, Lord, that's incredible. I want us to see it narrowly and I want us to see it very expansed as well. So in other words, Romans 12 speaks to the members linking and supporting members as one body called Meadowbrook. And it speaks of churches linking together as one body in Christ and supporting one another. So Meadowbrook and Dwight are to connect and support one another. And in doing so, <clears throat> we are expressing the God-ordained principle that we read about in Romans chapter 12. It is the expression of that principle. So when reading about the church in the Bible, we tend to narrowly focus on our own one congregation. But I'm asking us to consider when we're reading texts like Romans 12, ask, Lord, what is your spirit saying to our congregation and to the church across the world? What are you saying about your global church? So reading beyond the scope of Meadowbrook will stir a fervor for us in the kingdom of God and for churches that bring glory to Jesus Christ. In the first century, those planters that I mentioned earlier, they were enthusiastic about expanding the kingdom of God and seeing the planting and the strengthening of churches all around. But arguably, none of them had greater zeal than the Apostle Paul. His passion came from the Holy Spirit. And if you remember, when the Spirit of God called him, he gave him a passion to plant churches and to strengthen churches and to really speak in to churches with God's truth. And that church, his home church of Antioch of Syria, laid their hands on him, confirming that the Spirit of God had given him this call and this passion to do that very thing. And so they commissioned him and Barnabas out that the Spirit of God might do what he had called them to do, plant churches, strengthen churches. So Paul was passionate about preaching the gospel. He's passionate about discipling people that would become leaders and elders. And he was passionate about planting churches. And as he entered into spiritual dark places, he brought the light of Jesus Christ into those regions. And they would receive the light of Christ. And then they too would bear the light of Christ in their community. And he would build them up with truths of the gospel. He would make sure that he had leaders in place, elders who could guide that church. And then he would step out and do that again somewhere else. And that light was burning ever so brightly, even though Paul, who brought the light, was no longer in the community. It's the way that God has grown his kingdom throughout the world. 
And as people receive the good news of faith, they place their trust and life in Jesus. They begin to shine light in that community about who Jesus Christ is. And in some of those places, the Spirit of God fanned the flames of that. And it became a movement from the region to the region. This gospel movement. So communities such as Antioch of Pisidia and Corinth and Ephesus and Galatia and Philippi and Berea and Thessalonica and Rome, just to name a few, they were never the same because Paul had gone into those places. Think for a minute about the consequences if the Apostle Paul had narrowed his view of church to be just his own home church, the church of Antioch of Syria. Think if he had narrowed it there and did not expand out. Think if he stayed only locally and did not think globally. So here's what I want us to consider. What if you and I thought that way? What if we only narrowly saw, narrowly saw the church as Meadowbrook and didn't see it beyond? Then you and I would stymied the work of the Spirit of God that he wants to expand in a great way to the glory of Jesus Christ. And this is one of those Sundays that we're just saying, hey, check up. What's our view? What have we been focusing on? You say, I've been focusing right here. Good. Keep on focusing right here and ask God to expand your focus as well. To go beyond. To extend past just this group of people. That's a a real pioneer spirit that God has given to us, a zealous heart and a zealous spirit. Think of what it would be like if Meadowbrook began to pray, Lord, as you grow Meadowbrook, would you send out some of our own to plant churches? Would you give some of our own membership a heart and a spirit and a call and a passion that could only be attributed to you, your spirit's work and the glory of Jesus Christ? Would you commission some of our people with the entrepreneurial way like the Apostle Paul in the gospel to say, I'm going to go beyond this local church. Here am I, Lord, send me. Oh, Meadowbrook, that we would pray That God would do that in our midst. So the Apostle Paul not only loved to plant churches, but he loved to strengthen churches as well. So when they were attacked and weakened for various reasons, including sin and false teaching and bad doctrine, Paul didn't just sit idly by, he moved toward them. And he brought God's word to them so that they would be right. They would be immovable in that. They would not be swayed away. And he would correct them in those ways so that they would be strong in their faith and strong in the body. So if he could get there, he would go there. And if he could not get there, he would send somebody there. And if he couldn't send somebody, he'd write a letter. And often he'd send it with somebody, take this to them and encourage them in truth. Some might ask, why bother? Why not just let things die down? If God wanted the church to be strong, why would he just allow it to dissipate? If God wanted Dwight Baptist Church to continue, then let him do the work. Why why would we be focused on that? Why don't you let God do that? You and I are the body of Christ. We are the means by which God does what he does. You and I are the mission front. You and I are the planters. You and I are the strengtheners. 
We can't point to God as if he's not doing it. He has empowered us to do it and given us the grand marching orders in his scripture by the call of Christ to make disciples. So the question is not about why would we do it? Why are we not doing it? That's the real question. The Apostle Paul understood that a church and a community was like a city on a hill. And it would bear forth the glorious way of Christ. It would bear forth the illuminating way. So when the church was no longer there, he recognized the shining glory of Christ was no longer there. And darkness would envelop the community. So he wanted to make sure that darkness would not take over if a light of Christ was diminishing in the community. So he would fan the flames of truth into those churches so that they would be bright lights. There's a significant impact when a pulpit is empty and the houses of prayer are silent. And there is a consequence that comes when choir lofts are no longer full and congregational worship is muted. Who lovingly and compassionately will care for the widows and the fatherless if the community no longer has a church? Or who feeds the hungry and clothes the poor in the name of Jesus when a church weakens and dies? The church is the community distributor of the gospel truth of Jesus Christ and his wonderful compassion. So because every person matters, that means that every community matters. And because every community matters, that means that every Christ-centered church matters. And so we take our eyes and we widen out our scope of vision beyond just here. We look to churches like Dwight and we say, oh God, they're important. They're important and you and I are moving towards them to strengthen them to the glory of Christ with the grace and the means that he has given to us. That's the biblical model. Plant churches, strengthen churches. It's what we see Paul doing. That's what you and I want to be part of. And it's also Paul helping churches financially. And that's where you and I are as well. The persecutors of Christians who were living there in Jerusalem forced many of them out of the city and they were dispersed far and wide. Those who stayed experienced a concentrated, intense persecution from those who were so evil. So many of the Christians there in Jerusalem lost their jobs. They lost businesses and families and friends and homes. It's not an exaggeration to say that much of those who were living in the Jerusalem church membership lost everything that they owned in this world. The church was in dire need. So Paul's affection for the church was evident because he couldn't just go on with life and ministry without helping when this calamitous need came up for the mother church, the church in Jerusalem. He said, I can't just be idle in this. I've got to move toward this. So he gave money and he asked other people to give money to them so that they could be encouraged and built up and have those things that were absolutely necessary. It was his love and care for the church that Paul was demonstrating, and that was infectious. Because when Paul would write people like those who were in Corinth 
and asked them to join him in giving money to the Christians there in Jerusalem. They did so eagerly. And when he told the same to the churches over in Galatia throughout that whole region, they did so. And Macedonia, who were poor themselves, gave and would not stop giving, even though Paul said, that's enough. They said, no, 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 it's not enough. And they kept on giving because they wouldn't just sit idly by when there was a financial need like that for fellow believers and as a result these church gave with such generosity that they honored Jesus Christ and brought glory to him I am so encouraged by you Meadowbrook in December you gave about $77,000 so that Dwight could have a pastor and since then recognizing that we probably needed to give a little bit more so that they could have the second year full I've asked you to give and you have continued to give and I believe you'll continue to do that till we have all a two year salary for a pastor already raised up the reason why that's important is because we want that pastor Zach and Kara Howard who are going there to serve we want them to be able to concentrate on the work that God has called them to not worry about the money not worry that their family is going to be fed not worry that they're going to have what they need we want them to concentrate on what that community needs and I'll tell you what that community needs same thing this community needs it needs a strong Bible believing pastor who will stand up in the pulpit and say thus saith the Lord God and somebody who will love on people who will be compassionate towards them somebody who will fan through the community with others and disciple people unto the call of Jesus Christ till the spirit of God comes to indwell them and they begin to replicate this gospel to other people that's what it needs Amen. same thing you and I need this church so I'm encouraged that you aren't going to just sit idly by and I'm encouraged that every Sunday when we give that offering plate passes by or for KME when it's drafted out of our account and goes automatically to the Meadowbrook coffers I'm I'm convinced that that's needful and required of us because a portion of that goes through the cooperative program to plant, strengthen, and financially support churches in North America and all over the world. And a portion of the funds that we raise goes to churches that we individually know we go to around the world so that they might be strengthened and built up. You're that kind of church. So Meadowbrook, we plant... When we plant, strengthen, and financially help other Christ-centered churches, then we are following a biblical pattern that has been set by the Holy Spirit and that has been modeled by people like the Apostle Paul and others. That puts you and me in a pretty good camp. And we need to do that. Eagerly and more expandedly, we need to do that. So I thank God for your ever-widening view of his kingdom and your ministry to generously support other churches outside of the Meadowbrook property all right so let me just get down to the nitty-gritty why does Dwight matter to us why does Dwight matter to the world Dwight as you know represents a large number of churches in the same position that they're in the same state that they're in so I'm going to speak to them individually but I'm going to do it in a collective fashion for all churches that find themselves like Dwight by the way you and I have been there before as a church as well. Uh, when I came here in 2001, uh, there was some struggle. There was a wondering if we were going to be able to make the payroll, and the payroll was me. 
there was a wondering if we could keep the doors open. There were some who said it won't happen. Uh, to God be the glory, he had a different plan for his church. Here's four simple statements. Dwight matters because the membership matters. They are fellow saints. They're members of the household of God with us. They are brothers and sisters in Christ. And I need not remind you, we will spend eternity with them. So it matters. Their church matters to us and to other bodies of Christ. Secondly, Dwight matters because the people living in Alabama City matter. So God has made every person in Alabama City in his image and because of that, they are with intrinsic value, are they not? Oh, sure, they might come in various shapes and sizes and colors and economic statuses. It doesn't matter. They're made in the image of God. And so all people matter in that way. So a strong church is needed because the people living there need a strong church because that church needs to be like a city on a hill. There must be a strong gospel presence there. There must be a pulpit declaring God's truth. There must be songs of faith encouraging the congregation and compassionate ministries who help provide hope to other people. It's needful. Number three, Dwight matters because the name of Jesus Christ matters. One of the things that I share with new folks who are coming to Meadowbrook saying they want to be part of Meadowbrook, want to join the fellowship of Meadowbrook, be a member of Meadowbrook, which I think is a biblical response. One of the things that I share with them is said, oh, you are welcome. If God's spirit is calling you here, you are welcome. But I want you to know from this point forward, you represent Meadowbrook Baptist Church and you represent the name of Jesus Christ and you are not ever to be disconnected from those two. So wherever you're going, it's you and Meadowbrook and Christ. And so I tell them, it's my desire to never bring reproach on the name of this church or the name of our Savior. I don't want you to ever see me coming out of a place or doing something at a place that you would think that brings reproach upon this church or the name of Christ. And look, I'll say it to them boldly. I don't want to ever see you in the same place. Because we're connected. So Dwight is connected to Jesus Christ. For 125 years, that church has been associated with the name of Jesus Christ. Now what happens when a for sale sign goes up at that church and the congregation is no longer declaring the truth from that place or the congregation is not singing about the goodness of God in that place? What happens when the community sees that that light has been diminished? It's not just about that church name, is it? It's about the name of Jesus Christ. So Dwight matters because the name of Christ matters. And Dwight matters because we must confront the assumption that bigger churches are better than smaller churches. I don't mind telling you I was a little timid to write that one. But I thought, I think they're used to me not being so timid. We need to confront this notion that bigger is better. It's not. Just because we're a bigger congregation than other congregations in this community does not mean we are better. God will determine who's better. And we'll be measured not against one another in churches. We'll be measured against Jesus Christ. 
He's the standard. So bigger and it's not necessarily better. Smaller churches are dying at an alarming rate and you and I need to say, wait, why is that and what can we do to help? Many are falling away and their membership is going away because they bought into this concept that bigger is better. A multi-congregation is better than one congregation. A large and expanding church is way more exciting than a small church, they think. And so they bail on their churches that the Spirit of God has called them to and they move over to a larger church where they will sit if they go and they will not be serving. They won't be using their talents. They won't be using the spiritual giftedness. More than likely, they're going to Sit there and let somebody else do something for them. There's nothing better about that, is there? If you come from a smaller congregation and you've bailed on that congregation that the Spirit of God has called you to, you might need to repent of that and go back. And if you're not serving this congregation, that means you've missed it somewhere along the way. The Spirit of God brings people to this congregation as members so that we might serve one another and the community at large and the world at large to the glory of Jesus Christ. You're not called to come in here and sit and be wowed by the music or be inspired by the message. You and I are called to build each other up with the gifts that God has given to us. So, sir, boy, this is the kind of stuff that gets the pews empty, isn't it? <laughs> you watch next week. There'll be some seats available. Bring your friends. Bring your family. We got to replace some folks in here. <laughs> uh, you've always been up for the challenge, Meadowbrook. Always. You've never been the one to come in here and say, tickle my ears, preacher. You've just not been that congregation. I'm asking you, step up. If you're not serving, serve. Confess that, repent of that, move towards Christ in doing it. Serve. You say, well, I can't find my place. Oh, it might be the Spirit of God is wanting you to serve somewhere else. I'm not looking to get rid of anybody, please. Well, maybe one or two, but the majority of you, <laughs> no. I want you here. Listen, I want you here. But in the end, you and I are going to spend eternity together, and I want us to be walking down the streets of gold and say, oh, didn't God show grace to us by giving us to serve so faithfully the congregation where his spirit placed us? Serve. We'll help you. We'll help you to navigate and how you can serve. Just email us, info at mbchurch.com, and ask the question, where can I serve? How do I figure out what my gifts are? How can I figure out what my place is? Just ask the question. We'll move towards you and help you in that. Do you realize that 90% of the churches that are Southern Baptists associated, 90% of the churches are 200 or less? Did you know that 80% of SBC churches are 100 or less? Did you know that? The vast majority of churches across the United States and the world are incredibly small. Smaller is not necessarily worse. Here's some positives of a congregation that is smaller and perhaps they might be encouraging points for some of you who are considering joining us by going over to Dwight and serve to help stabilize and to expand the kingdom work there. 
Smaller congregations like Dwight can be very relational. You can walk into a congregation on Sunday morning like Dwight and be able to name everybody in the room. It's about 40 or so, 50 on a good day. And you can know every one of them. You can't do that here. In fact, even in larger congregations, you probably will only know 50 to 100 people by name. That's what sociologists say. So when you go into a smaller congregation, you're going to know about 50 to 100 people and you're going to serve those people and get relationally involved in their lives. It's easier to find your place to serve sometimes there in those smaller places and exercise your gifts. There's immediate needs. We can put you to work right away. Some people are just more comfortable in smaller congregations. They don't like the crowds. They don't like the movement of crowds. And they're, they're more comfortable with smaller. And a person can be part of God's movement. Listen, those who are going to go over to Dwight, those who are going to serve there, they're going to be part of a movement of God that we are praying for right now. And it is going to be absolutely glorious. It's going to be something that only Christ could receive honor and glory out of. Someone can actually go there and still remain connected to Meadowbrook because the two churches have entered into a relationship. And it's a relationship that we said, just because you call Zach to be your pastor does not mean that Meadowbrook is disconnecting from you. Quite the contrary. You and I, Meadowbrook, are going to be connected to Dwight with Zach for a long time. So you can still stay connected to Meadowbrook and serve over at Dwight. Now, if you're interested in something like that, then just shoot us a quick email Info at mbchurch.com. Or come see us anytime after the service or before. Give us a call. I'm not suggesting that everybody has to jump up and leave and go. But I'm suggesting that God is calling some of us. And that God is commissioning us. And we're following a biblical model that the Spirit of God has challenged some to do given a passion for it. You say, I don't have a passion for that. Then it's probably not of the Spirit. Don't feel compelled. I'm not twisting your arm. Just ask the Holy Spirit to give you a broader vision. Now, I want to move this as we end this portion of the service to pray. And this will be the way that we'll respond to the Scripture today in invitation. This past week, I was reading along Side K, as we were having our morning time in the scripture and prayer together. And I read Matthew chapter 9. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Wow, what a wide vision he had. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, you know what really grabbed me and I circled in my Bible? That he said to his disciples, pray this. Why the disciples? <laughs> they were the ones already working. They were side by side with Jesus with a wide vision, going wherever the Lord would have them to go, doing all that he would have them to do. He even commissioned them out two by two. Come, let's rally back together and see what the Spirit of God is doing. They were the workers. 
And yet he said to them, you ought to be praying that the Lord would send more. And that's where I think we are this morning. You are the workers. You're doing it. You're doing the work of ministry, so many of you, so faithfully. And so I'm going to ask you, like Jesus asked his disciples, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers unto his harvest. Join me in praying for that. And today I'm going to ask a number of you just to come to the front of the house today and just pray with me. Pray with others that God would strengthen the churches of Etowah County, those Christ-centered, biblical-centered churches, those who proclaim his truth. Now, I'm not talking about the wackadoos. I'm not talking about the people who are adding to the Bible, taking away from the Bible. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who are Christ-centered and biblically driven, where their pulpits ring with truth and their songs ring of truth as well. I want you to join me in praying for them that God would send workers unto his harvest and that those congregations would flourish because of it. And as we pray that God would send workers, we might also pray, Lord, among our own congregation, as if we're Antioch of Syria, let us commission people out. Father, we're thankful that August the 23rd, 1959, there was a group of people who planted a church called Meadowbrook. We thank you for their faithfulness and for the years that have transpired with faithful people who've been part of this congregation. We haven't always done things well, but Lord, it's our hope that we are doing things right, that your spirit is guiding us, leading us, that we're communicating truth, singing truth, proclaiming it, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, the gospel would ring forth. And God, we pray that as well for many congregations, the congregations of Etowah County, those that make up the body of Christ here in this portion of our state. And we pray for them, whether small or large, that those who are Bible-believing and Christocentric, that they would flourish with the good news of Christ, that the mission would prosper, that your spirit would do a work fresh, that you would energize members, energize elders and pastors, overseers and bishops, that it would be the pulpits would ring with truth and the choirs and the congregation would sing biblical songs and that they would fan throughout the communities and begin to invite people to come to know the true and only Savior, Jesus Christ, and disciple them in your instruction of Scripture. And we pray specifically for Dwight that this would be a season that we look back on and say that was the beginning of God doing a fresh work where your spirit began to move in unique ways and the empowerment that was given to the pastor of that church would be obvious from you. It wouldn't be by his own words that had been crafted throughout a week. It would be by the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. The truth would echo in that place and it would be presented throughout the community called Alabama City. We pray, Lord, that their influence would be good and right. Their purpose is noble and true and that your kingdom would expand as that church flourishes. We pray that you would stabilize them financially, relationally. 
We pray, Lord, that any of the workers that are needed to accomplish what you desire to do would be brought in. You're the Lord of the harvest. Would you bring workers there and let them flourish with spiritual gifts, talents, and abilities that would only be able to be so if you had put them together. We thank you that you have done just that. So, Lord, for the blessings that Meadowbrook has received and is receiving, we say thank you. And for those that we extend, we ask that you would multiply them. We pray, Lord, that as we focus very narrowly and specifically on this congregation and its people and the needs that they have, that you would also help us to look forward and about and see other congregations and other places where the gospel needs to flourish. Help us to do just that to the glory and honor of Jesus. If you agree with that prayer, say amen with me.